0: Anymore. I think she hates me deep down. I know she does. She wants to erase me. Mm. A days, no Hour number two of the blitz starts face face right now on 1340 day. AM 105.7 she FM. Said, live here on Fan Run Radio. We're live in your Fan Run Radio app. That is free wherever you get your apps, the App Store, Google Play Store. I guess I don't really know where else you get your apps. So maybe not everywhere, but it's available in those two places. Live stream, that's over on Twitter. If you want to watch the video feed live at home, you can go over to the Fox Sports Knoxville Twitter. And that live stream, it's also in the FanRun Radio web browser. That live stream is powered by our friends at Linderman Sports Medicine. Dr. Laura Linderman, if you want to get back to on your bike, back to having a healthier lifestyle, walking at the park, uh, whatever it may be, Dr. Laura Linderman down in Memphis. People are coming from all over Tennessee and beyond, again, to get back in the game of life without going under the knife. She can help you out and get you back active without having to have surgery. You can check them out at com. L-E-N-D-E-R-M-O-N SportsMedicine.com. Again, Lenderman Sports Medicine. Get back to your daily active life without going under the knife. Let's start our two off with an opening drive. First down. Well, the NCAA is considering uh, some new rules in terms of time management uh, for for football next year. One of the suggested rules, stopping the clock after first downs, well, that would no longer be a thing. Uh, They're trying to speed the game up, obviously. Trying to speed the game up, and in in doing so, they want to eliminate some of the the clock uh, rules right now. So, the first one would be prohibiting consecutive timeouts, Uh, you know, i.e., like, example, icing kicks. Uh, You would no longer be able to call consecutive timeouts. I don't really think that that is a big issue, one way or the other. Um, Such a rare occurrence that. I mean, who really cares, you know? Who who really cares if you call two timeouts? We really need to to delegate decision-makers time uh, to deciding whether or not that needs to be a rule. I doubt it. Uh, You'd also get rid of no – there would no longer be untimed downs uh, possible at the end of the first and third quarters. Again, that one to me seems insignificant, but, you know, if you want to save 45 seconds of game time – one out of every 285 games, sure, go ahead. Great job, NCAA. You're killing it. We're so proud of you. You know, don't worry about NIL or tampering or any of the actual problems that are facing college football because we got to make sure that teams can't get an extra play in the first quarter or third quarter with, like, a whole uh, defensive penalty. We're going to start ending the first and third quarter on defensive penalties. That'll shorten these games. So the first two rules, I, I don't really – don't really read much into don't really find them significant third rule and the fourth rule potential rule changes that's where things start to get interesting so the third proposed rule change the clock would run after first downs except inside two minutes of a half pardon me I had to sneeze there so the clock would run a lot more than it does currently you know that it would affect some teams more than others but you know it would lead to a lot less possessions in college football throughout the sport as it stands as we know you get a first down in college football clock is going to stop until the chains are reset and the ball is placed down from that point the clock starts again in the NFL that's not the case in the NFL the clock continues to run but in college it stops for a first down you know that that probably saves 15 10, maybe 20 seconds sometimes on a possession, just that resetting of the chains and that brief stoppage of the clock. And if you're a team like Tennessee that plays with a fast tempo, you know, you can pick up a first down and essentially not lose any time. You can pick up a first down and you can be on the football ready for that clock to start again. So for a team like Tennessee, you know, that they could potentially start losing 40 to, to 80 to 120 seconds per possession. You know, that that could actually be a pretty decent difference. You know, you you could get rid of those 40-second scoring drives, 50-second scoring drives. On the other hand, Tennessee also plays fast enough where, you know, you might still just be able to get to the line fast enough where, whether it's it's stopping to reset or not, you're still snapping the ball pretty quickly. Uh, From there, fourth potential rule change. The clock would run on incompletions once the ball is spotted. This, to me, is the most puzzling of the rules in uh, the dumbest of the rules. If you're going to just run the clock after incomplete passes, then you're changing the sport of football, and I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that at all. I, I mean, I get it. Games have gotten to the point where they are long. We are seeing three-and-a-half-hour games several times a Saturday now. We're seeing uh, the occasional four-hour game happen less occasionally than it ever has. Uh broadcasts take forever you know you don't tip you don't fit into the, the, the the traditional broadcast tv window anymore a lot of the time but and i know this is never actually going to change because money is is the biggest factor in all of this games really haven't gotten that much longer commercials have nearly doubled the amount of time that you spend watching commercials during a broadcast has gotten exponentially longer and we just we don't really notice it you know we're not timing that we're not paying attention to that so we just think oh the games are longer and the style of play is affecting that sure games have gotten longer but more so than any other factor commercials have gotten a lot longer you know you can still drive down the road to johnson city tennessee and go watch a non-televised fcs football game and it can finish in 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 three quarters of the Tennessee game you Now you can go watch a division two game and it's going to finish a lot quicker so if anything get rid of the tv timeouts just a couple of them I, I know you're not ever going to because that's where you make your money but if you really want to make a difference and shorten this game you can maybe even gain more viewers or or, or hold viewers longer with less tv timeouts and then those commercials could become more valuable and th- that kind of makes up the difference I don't know Seems like, seem it would it it seems dumb to to change up some of these clock rules. If you want to make it like like the NFL with first downs and not stopping the clock, I don't like it, but I'll accept it. If you want to keep running the clock after incompletions, get that out of here. Get that out of here. Second down. Dunk contest Saturday night. We already mentioned it, but Mac McClung. Stole the show. I mean, he was out there too, kind of like Julio Rodriguez in the Home Run Derby. You know, you're competing to potentially uh, double your salary with the prize money. But first dunk, tap the glass over top of of two people, one person standing on another's back, 50. Next dunk, 360 windmill dunk, 49.8. Then in the championship round, uh, you have the double pump reverse. Ridiculous stuff. That was a 50. And then you had the winning dunk, the 720, uh, which also was a 50. Nearly a perfect night for Mac McClung. And the best dunk contest that I can remember since Blake was uh, Griffin was was jumping over Kias and blowing out birthday candles. Mac McClung was ex- exhilarating. I know he's you know what? I, I want to go ahead and claim him. I know he's Southwest Virginia, but he's right near the Tennessee line. We're claiming him. He he's he's local to this region. So a local boy winning the dunk contest, but man, Mac McClung was exciting, and I don't know how anyone could think anyone other than, than Mac McClung was gonna win this. I saw some people saying Jericho Sims and Kenyon Martin Jr. Mac McClung is a professional dunker. He is, is just something else entirely. The man's got hops. If you remember him from Georgetown, if you remember his viral dunk videos from Texas Tech, like you knew that he was going to win this thing. And the final dunk, too, in his Gate City high school uniform was, was definitely special. Um, Mac McClung, man. Biggest winner of the weekend, maybe funniest part too had to have been the analyst for TNT that were just pretending they were just like so I I guess enthralled by the madness that were Mac McClung's dunking uh, dunks they started acting like it was just going to magically turn him into like a starting quality shooting guard they were talking about Mac McClung on the broadcast like he was about to make you know some giant difference in the Philadelphia 76ers playoff push which was cracking me up. Look, I love Mac McClung and I think there is a spot for him in the NBA, but let's let's not act like there's, uh, you know, a great need for him in the NBA by any means. It it reminded me of the same people that watch the Tennessee highlights of like the one fly we all fly and see DJ Jefferson landing all these crazy dunks and they go, "Why is he not playing?" Well, there's a lot more to basketball than cool dunks, but Mac McClung was thrilling. Third down. of me, got to pull it back up here. We got a new mock draft from CBS Sports. A two-round mock draft, courtesy of Ryan Wilson. Three Tennessee Vols included in the first two rounds. Now, I know the obvious two there, Jalen Hyatt, Darnell Wright. Seen some talk of Byron Young maybe making his way up into the second round, late second round, the edge rusher from Tennessee, but that's not. The Vol that saw himself mocked in round number two. So we'll we'll take it back here. First of all, they project the number one pick to be Will Anderson to the Chicago Bears. Uh, Bryce Young, two. Jalen Carter, three. They have the Colts taking C.J. Stroud at four. Uh, They have Will Levis going at seven. Anthony Richardson going at nine to Carolina. They have the Titans taking Paris Johnson Jr. But Tennessee factors into it in the late first round projecting the Dallas Cowboys to take Jalen Hyatt. That's not the first time I've seen Jalen Hyatt mocked to the Dallas Cowboys at 26. Wasn't in the first-round conversation at all heading into last year. I don't even know if he was in the draft conversation, but Jalen Hyatt skyrocketed into a first-round pick potentially, and he's mocked here at 26. No other Vols in the first round, but Darnell Wright projected to go 33 overall to the Texans, and that third ball that I mentioned – is none other than Hendon Hooker. People have been really high on old Hendon coming off of the Senior Bowl. Uh, Tennessee quarterback went down there despite his ACL injury, despite not being able to throw, just to talk with teams, to be a part of it all. And and Reports were that that NFL executives, scouts, coaches all came away very impressed with Hendon Hooker and that he seems to be uh, the potential QB five in this draft. You know, you have your top four set, Levis and it Richardson, Young, and Stroud, but there's a big question of that fifth quarterback. Is it Jay Kaner? Is it Hendon Hooker? Is it Tanner McKee? You know, is it somebody else? Hendon Hooker slowly starting to take over that consensus QB five spot. I've even seen some people putting him above Levis and Richardson, which I could get behind. But this mock draft has the Saints taking Hendon Hooker at 40, which would be really fun i would love to see hendon hooker in that saints offense i think there are some pieces there that can make a lot of sense you know he would have chris olave uh, alvin Kamara. we know how much the saints love balls and hendon hooker as a second round pick would go in there presumably to compete to start right away Uh, so that could be a a really fun spot for hendon hooker fourth down interesting tweet this morning interesting report hopefully hopefully it's true we'll see Comes from uh, Dov Kleeman, NFL reporter. Report Madden NFL 24, the famous uh, video game franchise, NFL franchise. It'll be a make or break release for EA Sports. Big changes reportedly are coming. The negative response to the game, which management believes is, quote, completely justified, has forced many inside of EA Sports to have a now or never mentality. Uh, with the upcoming Madden, hopefully this is true. Hopefully this is true. Madden desperately needs it. I mean, you go back and you play Madden from 10 years ago, it's better than the one you get now, just in terms of, of the details. Sure, the game engine has continued to advance year after year with technology. And I really like some of the things that Madden did a year ago with, with their new passing uh Set up with the touch passes and the passing arc, and and you know the ability to to craft your passes a little bit more. But you also just had a game that was completely unplayable at times because of all the glitches that would just erase your data and freeze on franchises. And you know as Madden Ultimate Team has continued to become more popular, all the other areas have continued to get further and further neglected because. Madden Ultimate team, you pay in game to, for more features. So the more they put into that, the more people will pay in game and the more money they make. I get it. But got to the point where some of the other features were just unplayable. They just lacked all sorts of detail that they used to possess. You know, you used to have training camps and quizzes and game plans and everything else. And, and, and you know, you missed all of it in this past Madden and, and, and really in a lot of past Madden. So a make or break year. And. Hopefully they mean it. I feel like we hear this from Madden a lot, but hopefully they mean it. Good opening drive, though. Hey, I did see someone call during the opening drive. Feel free to call back now. Would love to pick up the phone and have you on in the next segment. Again, Big Orange Philly phone lines are open, 865-546-8200. If you want to call in, let your voice be heard. Would love to hear from you today. That being said, we're going to catch a break, dive into some Tennessee baseball on the other side. Your business needs storage space. Do you need someone... Oh man, taking it easy here on this Tuesday on the Blitz. Wasn't all that easy for the baseball team this weekend. Saw a lot of uh Saw a lot of panicked reactions from a one and two baseball weekend and was not the start that I think anyone was hoping for. Really. Pretty disastrous start, all, all things considered. Between Losing two games and the uh, the ruling that Maui Ahuna was ineligible, roughly I don't know, thirty minutes before the game, an hour before the game. Between those two events, <laughs> not a great weekend for the baseballs. But I've seen the notion that this could be a a lag year for Tennessee. That maybe this is the year that you know the roster turnover catches up to Tony Vitello. That you know maybe this is the year that Tennessee takes a step back. If you want to compare this Tennessee baseball team to the one from a year ago, that's not really fair. Like you, you can't really compare those two teams. And if you do compare them, well, this Tennessee team will, will fall short. Uh, that's just the way it goes. I mean, I mean, when you have the best baseball team potentially in the history of the sport, obviously it wasn't the best ending. You didn't make it to Omaha, but the best regular season team in the history of the sport. You know, it's it's going to be difficult to follow that up. But to suggest that this team is going to take a some sort of big step back this year, or even just a step back to like outside of the top ten or outside of the fifteen, is asinine. I mean, you see them go one and two this this weekend and still drop from two all the way down to three. Fact of the matter is, you lost three to one and you lost four to three in your first two baseball games of the season against two pretty decent tournament quality teams it happens you know arizona was throwing a top 50 75 ish prospect in the draft and he had himself a good night chase dolander wasn't bad by any means but hey he got out pitched. it happens you know grand canyon tournament baseball team they have a, a top 10 draft prospect at short he was excellent you know again it happens a year ago Tennessee, I get it. They rolled through uh, the, the non conference slate. And I think that really kind of has elevated expectations for the non conference this year. But Tennessee didn't play anybody at all. You know, you, you, can, you can start off 22 or 23 and 1 or whatever it is when you were having, you know, the school of the blind roll into your place weekend after weekend. Uh, Georgia Southern was a tournament team that's how you open the season but you know you played UNC Asheville and Iona and ETSU and James Madison and Rhode Island and Eastern Kentucky like that's who you played at home before you got into SEC schedule you went and played in the Minute Maid Park that that Shriners Hospital for Children's Classic where you beat Oklahoma and Baylor and lost to Texas but you know that was a little bit later in the season you still got settled in further and you know, this year you actually tested yourself to start. You got, I believe it's 19 more games in the non-conference now. You got two against A&M this week, Dayton this weekend, two against Charleston Southern next week, Gonzaga, a midweek with Boston College, Moorhead State, and then a midweek with Lipscomb. I would be surprised if you lost more than two of those games. And and I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't even think you lose two of them. I think at most you drop like one, uh, yeah, I'd say like maybe two of them. You know, maybe you drop one at Gonzaga, who's a tournament team from a year ago, and maybe you, you drop one random midweek. But you know we're gonna feel a lot better when instead of one and two, this team's eighteen and three, or you know twenty and three, or whatever else. So this team, uh, it, it still has the best collection of of pitching that maybe any baseball team has ever collected. Uh, you have a guy in Chase Dolander that is going to be in all likelihood, barring any kind of unforeseen circumstances or, or crazy bad year, a top five pick in the MLB draft in, in five months. You have a guy in Chase Burns that, in 2024, probably also going to be a top five pick in the draft. Like, what team possesses that? Nobody. What team can even match that? I mean, Vanderbilt from a couple of years ago when they had Kumar Rocker and and uh, Jack Leader. Like, that's as close as it gets, and that was a dominant baseball team. Furthermore, Tennessee's bats this weekend. Maui Ahuna not able to play. Griffin Merritt missed the first two games due to suspension. Uh, I mean, you look at those two factors, Tennessee without two of their best, probably four hitters. You look at the roster turnover. You know, most teams need to get settled into a season, especially when you're replacing uh, the vast majority of your lineup. I think Tennessee is going to settle in just fine. They're going to settle in on what they want their outfield to look like. I think that Cal Stark is probably going to end up taking over for for Charlie Taylor a little bit more behind the plate. Or Taylor hits better, one of the two, because Taylor is a great defender. But you know I think the sky is still the limit for this Tennessee baseball team, especially when you can go into a weekend and you know that there is absolutely no rest for the opposition, between Chase Stolander, Chase Burns, and Drew Beam, and then all the arms you have in the bullpen, Wyatt Evans and Jack Bimby and Andrew Lindsey, and of course, of course, you know, Volley Fingle Fingers, Kirby O'Connell, or Cannell, I mean, pardon me. Um, with all those arms, you know, Tennessee is going to be a top 10 to 15 team the majority of the season, and I lean more towards top 10. The bats will be just fine. The bats will catch up. The Bats are incredibly talented. I think the biggest thing I'm worried about with this baseball team, quite honestly, is whether Maui Ahuna is able to get eligible. We had a statement from Kansas this morning. Kansas says that they've done everything on their end to try to help out his eligibility. You know, we've heard conflicting reports in that department. We've heard some things about uh, potentially some wrongdoings within um, the recruitment initially of Maui Ahuna when he hit the transfer portal. But getting him eligible, I think, really important for this team. And when all of a sudden that first five in the lineup is Christian Moore, unbelievable contact rate, unbelievable walk rate, followed by, you know, Jared Dickey, one of the best pure hitters in in college baseball. And then all of a sudden, you know, Zane Denton in there, who had a decent weekend, all things considered, Blake Burke. And then you can reset with Ahuna at, you know, the five spot. Griffin Merritt at six. you can basically have two top of the orders within your order. They're gonna start putting up more runs. I, I mean you could play Arizona again today and probably have a better showing than you did on Friday night even with the same pitching matchup. So you know I, I urge you guys to just take a deep breath with baseball and not to panic because I've this team is still still in a great spot and you, again you got two with Alabama Am today and tomorrow. Back in Lindsey Nelson Stadium, your home opener. Weather could not be better. Today, that first pitch is going to come with a nice 65-degree, partly cloudy day tomorrow, high 70s. It's baseball weather. It's baseball time. I expect the crowd to be good. Lindsay Nelson continuing to expand. That should be cool to see. And Alabama A and M is one of those teams that you can beat up on twelve to two and or fourteen to one or seventeen to three or whatever else, and you know get in a position where you got your confidence back, you got your swagger back, and all of a sudden you're three and two going into a weekend against Dayton where you should probably sweep. So this baseball team more than okay. Alabama A and M, uh, quick scout on them, not good, not very good, fast. Steal a lot of bases. They steal an unbelievable amount of bases. Uh, I believe they took, I think, if I read this correctly, it, it it almost took me back. It didn't even really seem real. I believe they took 20 bases over the weekend in a sweep against Alcorn State. 20 for 20. Uh, so if they get on base, they're going to run. You know, Charlie Taylor... Um, has a good arm. I think he's a good defensive catcher. It's not like having Evan Russell back there. You actually have a threat to to hold people on the bases a little bit. Alabama A&M has requested the new run rule be in effect, where if you're up 10 after 7, the game ends. So something to keep in mind there as well. Um, Believe it'll be, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Hollis Fanning tonight. And then Xander Seacrest pitched over the weekend. He was your midweek starter last year. I imagine since he pitched, it'll be Fanning tonight and uh, Xander Seacrest tomorrow. But, um, just keep Alabama A&M off the bases. Don't let them get in on it early. And, you know, that should be one of those games. You take care of business, get back right. You know, nothing, nothing too troubling. Andy Brock, he'll be on the call. Our good friend of the Blitz. But, uh, Tennessee baseball, again, everyone collectively, take a deep breath. All is well. All is well here on the Blitz, as, as well. We'll take a break on the other side. Play a little bit of good, bad, and the ugly. All that coming up next on Fan Run Radio. Hmm, home Are You like it Yeah. like it fat, yeah you know i had to play some doja cat for you had to on this tuesday hey i bet you know a realtor right well we all do well did you know that julia hurley with realty executives is a sports relocation expert and ranked in the top 1.5 percent in the nation Located in Knoxville, serving our Vols fans, athletes, and employees, Julia Hurley is our top pick. Call her today at 865-237-7328. Again, that's Julia Hurley at 865-237-7328. Let's get into a little good, bad, or ugly from the weekend. I'll give you two in each category since it's just me today. First, good from the weekend has to be the XFL. The XFL was back, and boy, it was better than it's ever been. I mean, it started off great on Saturday. You had two really, or you know, you at least had one really close game, but Sunday, I think, is when you really kind of hammered it home. You know, first Sunday, really, without without football fully. Um, people looking for stuff to do. Your first game, the Battle Hawks of St. Louis and the, the Brahmas. I, I don't actually know what a Brahma is, but. Uh, you got to see the first impl- implementation of the new rules. You know the the fourth and fifteen conversion as a substitution for an onside kick, and you had the Battle Hawks score fifteen points in a minute and a half to to complete a thrilling victory. I saw a lot of people talking about it, but then the night game really got a ton of buzz. The Seattle Sea Dragons, the DC Defenders, thrilling back and forth game, recognizable names all over the field. I thought there was a ton of balls. I tweeted it. I stand by this. That Sunday night XFL game was more entertaining than I think any of the Thursday night football games all year for for the NFL. And the, the broadcast was better, too. I think the NFL is probably going to and probably can learn some things from the XFL and their broadcast. It was a lot of fun. I mean, you had Dean Blandino as the head of officiating for the XFL on screen, pretty consistently helping explain calls. You had coordinators mic'd up, players mic'd up, you know, coaches on the sideline mic'd up, referees mic'd up. You got a behind-the-scenes look that I think is pretty special, and the crowd was great too. The D.C. Defenders crowd was electric. You had a moment that that was viral, you know, free the snake, where D.C. Defenders fans, right, they love to make the, these cup snakes out of, out of empty beer cups and empty liquor cups alike, and... Halfway through the third quarter, security decided to do what security does and and take the fun away. They confiscated the fans' beer snake. So the fans started chucking lemons on the field. I mean, it was an all-time moment. Just a bunch of drunk, rowdy D.C. Defenders fans throwing lemons in a protest, chanting, free the snake, trying to get their beer snake back. And it shifted the momentum noticeably. You know the defenders were down at this point immediately got a pick six and, and from there on Seattle couldn't do anything offensively uh but just between again the quality of the broadcast some of the extra features i thought the new rules mostly were good um XFL big winner from the weekend in my eyes it was it was great not even just good it was it was great uh my other good from the weekend Switching gears to college baseball. How about Missouri baseball? And you're thinking to yourself, Missouri baseball, why are, why are they getting mentioned? We usually usually don't mention Missouri baseball besides when Tennessee plays them and beats them. Missouri, they're no good. Well, maybe not, but maybe they are. Missouri on the weekend, a 2-1 and weekend uh, against quality competition. They went, uh, they went and played in that same tournament that the TCU and and Texas, um, Vanderbilt were in. You know, they went and played down there in that tournament, and again a two and one weekend and a weekend that I think most people projected Missouri to go zero and three. Started things off with a loss at Globe Life Field. They lost to a very good Oklahoma State team, five to three. But on Saturday. A 6 to 5 win over Texas and on Sunday a 9 to 8 win over TCU. Uh already just so many talented teams in the SEC, but after walking off Texas and getting that getting that 2 and 1 record, man, Missouri looks like they could even be throwing their name in in the the circle in the hat for another really good SEC team. We'll see, something to keep an eye on. You know, college baseball, a crazy sport, especially the first month of the season. You can't overreact too much to anything. But, hey, good weekend, Missouri. Uh, My bad from the weekend. Baylor's second half against Kansas. Baylor comes into the game against Kansas, top ten, playing excellent basketball. I believe they'd won, like, nine out of their last ten games, I think it was. Go on the road, halftime, you're up 45-32. to You're rolling on the road at Kansas. Big 12 title potentially on the line. Kenneth George – pardon me, not Kenneth George. Keontae George has like 19. Unbelievable first half from him, everyone on Twitter. Man, this Baylor team, they're back. You know, Chama Chachua back. This team, they might just be the best in the country. I've been on that Baylor could be the best team in the country uh, train as well. And then in the second half – Baylor comes out and promptly gets beat, 55-26. to 26. Just run off the court in the second half. That's one of my bad from the weekend. My other bad from the weekend, the notion that the Jets think that Derek Carr can win them the Super Bowl. I get it. The Jets have a great defense. They feel like they've been a quarterback away for a while. I mean, obviously, honestly, like their their best the offenses of the last 15 years have featured like Ryan Fitzpatrick and and one year of Mark Sanchez. They have not had good quarterback play. I get it. And Derek Carr, I think, is an underrated quarterback. When when you consider all the different external factors that were in play in Las Vegas, constant distractions, constant, I believe, poor coaching. Uh, When you look at the combined EPA for the defense and special teams of the Oakland and then Las Vegas Raiders during Derek Carr's tenure, 32nd in the NFL dead last. So the help around him uh, from a team perspective, not offensively, defense special teams, could not have been any worse for Derek Carr. So I get it. you know, I get the idea that you put him with a Jets defense that's presumably going to be top five, that he can be successful. And I don't doubt that. But in a division that possesses a good Dolphins team, a Patriots team that's always pesky, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, in a conference where you would have to also if you get out of your own division, get through Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, I don't need to hear about Derek Carr winning the Jets a Super Bowl. Winning the Jets 10-11 games? Sure, fine, yeah. Cool with that. But a Super Bowl, let's let's take it back a notch. And then my ugly from the weekend. UNC basketball continuing to collapse at risk of being the first preseason number one to completely miss the tournament. The only other, I think, really comparable collapse is is Kentucky uh, back when they went from preseason number one to an eight seed, and you know they upset one seed, Wichita State, in the first round and made it all the way to the, the final four, I believe. So still much better than whatever UNC is doing. Played decent on the road against NC State. But turned it over way too many times in the first half, allowed you and NC State to stay into it in it. And then I, I believe the end of the game allowing a 17-3 run. Jarkill joiner uh, was fantastic, which keep an eye on that NC State team. But if you're UNC, the month of February has been a loss to Pitt, a loss to Duke, a loss to Wake Forest, beat Clemson, a loss to Miami, and a loss to NC State. And now you got a, a road trip to to Notre Dame. On Wednesday night, a team that's been decently competitive, and that's the potential knockout blow for UNC. They lose that game, hey, that's the that's the RKO. That is the kill shot. You know, that is that is the one that is going to tap UNC out. Uh, but even now, I mean, they're they're essentially going to have to beat Notre Dame, Virginia, Florida State, and Duke to end the year, and still probably win a couple games in the ACC tournament to have a chance. UNC completely on the ropes. Things just continue to get worse and worse for the Tar Heels. That is one of your ugly from the weekend. The other, Duke basketball fans, uh, signed last night at the Duke game. Which, for the record, I am all for. Uh, you know, creatively making fun of of like other teams' players and like trying to get them in their heads and and, and whatever else. You know, I'm I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I think as long as you keep it playful and fun and, and, you know, it's not malicious, that's cool. You know, it's fun. It's just part of college basketball. It's part of the home court advantage. But there was a picture that went viral last night from a Duke fan. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, Louisville Kamari Lands was catfished on Tinder by a Duke fan who then blew up his Tinder profile and the Tinder messages on a big piece of poster board and brought it to the game. You look at some of the messages. Mari starts with, you look good. ASF, which you can figure out what that means. Catfish says, not too bad yourself. He said, sucks. I'm only here for tonight. Def need you to come my way. Uh, conversation continues, sends the address at the team hotel. Uh, never. I mean, it was just a, a guy that was trying to get with a girl. That's a pretty normal occurrence, especially on a dating app like Tinder. But weird are to this Duke fan, I, I think, to print that off and to bring it to the game. I, I don't know. Just to me, it seemed creepy. It seemed like a Duke fan's like they just kind of lack social awareness. Duke fans give off to me the same vibe as, like, homeschool kids. And, and to me, that was like a Duke fan, like, thinking they were funny, like, thinking they were cool, trying to get in on the action and, like, do something viral and funny at a college basketball game that you see all the time on Twitter. And instead, everyone was just like, yeah, dude, this is weird. Like, you are just kind of creepy. Duke fans, don't have a lot of – uh Don't pick up on social cues too great, but that's the good, bad, or the ugly from the weekend. 10:48 here, we're gonna catch our last break of the day and wrap the show up on the other side with our Tennessee A&M prediction and best bet. Stay locked in on the Blitz. Does your business need storage space? Do you need someone to safely deliver? All right, wrapping up this Tuesday edition of the Blitz. Little best bet in our Tennessee AM prediction. Give you a leading scorer prediction as well, but first, your best bet for tonight. A couple games I like tonight. I think it's a pretty favorable slate. You know, I'm looking at Xavier minus four and a half tonight at home. They've suffered a couple of tough losses. Uh, they haven't been entirely healthy, but they got back right against DePaul over the weekend. Um, I know Villanova's played some better basketball as of late, but you know, those better games came against DePaul, Seton Hall, and Butler. They went back on the road to Providence and promptly got beat by 13. I think Xavier gets the best of them tonight. So I like Xavier minus 4.5. I also um pretty intrigued by Toledo. Minus 4 at home. And then even in the nightcap, Air Force has been a much improved basketball team, and at home this year they've been solid minus 2.5. So I really like those three bets. But my bet of the night has got to be Mike Swartz and East Carolina uh, going on the road to Tulsa I don't love betting road teams and East Carolina has been somewhat inconsistent but Tulsa's five and 21 and they are awful awful let me lead you read you their last five scores they lost all five of these games 76 to 53 96 to 69 96 to 52. 86 to 75. Those were against four competitively average American conference teams. And then against Houston, they got beat 80 to 42. Again, only five wins on the entire season. Uh, Tulsa has not won a game since all the way back on January 21st. An entire month since they've won a basketball game. I get East Carolina's inconsistencies, but Tulsa's getting beat by an average of double digits their average game is a double digit loss give me east carolina minus two all night as for tonight's game a&m tennessee tennessee according to the matchup predictor based on espn analytics a 62.7 percent chance to win a&m a one and a half point favorite Status of Julian Phillips, Josiah Jordan-James, they feel doubtful. Phillips feels a little bit more likely than, than Triple J. Uh, both, uh, I guess, will still be decided. Rumblings online this morning that Santiago Vescovi is is dealing with some illness, too, that he's questionable to play. That could definitely change things. If you're down three starters, it gets infinitely tougher against a team that draws a lot of fouls. But I like the way that Tennessee matches up with this team. I think they're going to be patient. I think they're going to be able to dissect this A&M defense, and I think they're going to make it very tough for A&M to get points to the rim. As long as Tennessee stays out of foul trouble, I think they win a basketball game tonight. And I'm going to go ahead and predict that they do. I think that Tennessee goes on the road and and gets back to to level ground again um, and picks up what will be a really strong, impressive road victory against Texas A&M. Give me a final score of – call it. 65-59. 65-59. to 59. I think it's a low-scoring game. I know that's what all of you <laughs> love to hear right now, but I think the Vols get it done. I think Olivier Kamwa going to be your leading scorer tonight. Uh, I, I like Kamwa to finish with 16. Uh, I think that Tennessee will be able to get him the ball in some pretty advantageous situations again as they work it inside and, and try to dissect this A&M offense. I like Olivier to go to work. Uh, so give me the Vols. Winning by six, and Olivier having 16. And, uh, hey, that'll do it for today's show. Appreciate you tuning in. If you just listened to two hours of just me talking, I appreciate it. I might not have done that, so (laughs) I'm glad you did. Um, Sam will be back on Thursday. I might be back in tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, But I appreciate you guys again tuning in. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday Hope the Vols go get a dub tonight down in College Station and stay locked in at Fan Run Radio. It's John Reed, Cody McClure, Talk Sports, coming up next. I got a table for two.